Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. Nominated for Best Performance by an Actress are Audrey Hepburn in Breakfast at Tiffany's, Piper Laurie in The Hustler, Geraldine Page in Summer and Smoke, Natalie Wood in Splendor in the Grass. Sophia Loren? (laughs) Sophia Loren in Two Women. I was saving it. The winner is Sophia Lawrence. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 1962 Ceremony Year win for Sophia Loren. This was an iconic win because this was the first time that a Best Actress Oscar winner won for a foreign language film and performance in the history of the Oscars uh, for Best Actress. Uh, this is a very interesting and a very, very fun year. Um, really enjoyed watching these movies. Um, a couple notes here about the ceremony. So Best Actor went to Maximilian Schell for Judgment at Nuremberg. Best Supporting Actor went to George Shakiris for West Side Story. Best Supporting Actress went to Rita Moreno, who was actually an EGOT winner, and that would be another episode that we could talk about for West Side Story. Uh, Best Director went to uh, Robert Weiss and Jeremy Robbins for West Side Story, and Best Picture went to West Side Story. So this was a very, very popular year, this uh, very popular film this year, West Side Story. And um, today I am joined by a friend, a performer, a drag performer, um, so many credits here to uh, mention. The first one that I'm going to mention is that uh, she has a monthly comedy show at Comedy Bar co-hosted with uh, other drag performer Hilary Yes called Yas and Vile present Sex and the Golden Girls. Uh, she is also a Canadian Podcast Award winner for Squirrel Talk Podcast and she also hosts a weekly brunch at uh, a drag brunch at Glad Day Bookshop in the village, the gay village in downtown Toronto. So you should check that out on Sunday. It's Selena Vile. Hey, Selena. Oh, hello. Thank you for welcoming me back. Am I too loud? No, it is absolutely perfect. And you have, girl, you got a lot of credits. Good for you. Mm. She's a busy bee. She's she a busy bee. Busy I'm just buzzing bee. around. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> I um, Have you been watching the new seasons of drag race is that obviously what the whole squirrel talk podcast is about and it's like a recap that's interesting so we did win for that we won for reviewing drag race we won in the category of best film and tv podcast um but since then this year we've actually kind of um moved away from that a little bit and just done like topic based uh drag related episodes i love that and the reason why i i love that is because I don't know if it's just I'm speaking on my behalf here, but when it comes to the show, like RuPaul's Drag Race, girl, I am dragged out. It's oversaturated. Over, which is good. Which is like I want there to be drag everywhere. I want everyone to be watching as much as they can. But it's there. It's a lot. I mean, the last season that I won was the second season of the British one, and uh, I can't remember the queen that won, but she. I'm glad that she she was very good, very very good. Was um, Lawrence Taney. Was it? Oh, it was the third season then. Oh, Crystal. Yes. 
Oh, you were a Crystal fan. Yeah, I really liked her a lot. She was the one, she was kind of like a, like a fashion girl and she had yeah. that, that that one look on like the first or second episode where she came out as like a cat. Oh, that was a really hot look. That was yeah. really good. I, and that was the last um, season of, because of, I always really like going to places like Glad Day Bookshop to go to like one of those like um, drag race viewing parties or even actually, yeah. I think on Thursdays they do a Golden Girls viewing party, which I yeah. also that <laughs> yeah i think that was called wait what was that called was it rose beef or is that a queen in the east coast eh, I, I don't know i can't even remember <laughs> but i i like the community of it but yes. just in terms of um like watching drag race i i'm gonna give it a couple seasons before i jump back into it again i think fair yeah. honestly fair there's so many international seasons yes. and i'm i used to try to keep up with it and now i just don't anymore i just don't bother it's too much did you have a favorite of the international ones España, Spain. I'm including. Oh, really? Oh my God, Spain is the best franchise. I would say it's a little bit above the American one. It's wow. just, it's just all around. There's just so much joy on that show, and the judges judge with, uh, with like valid critiques and with love, and and nothing is negative. Everything over there is just like we love what you're doing. Here's our critiques, and there's like emotion and like they're all so talented and they have such amazing personalities it's just a really joyful show and it's the first franchise to have a trans male pit crew oh i Dude. love that yeah. yeah i mean he was there for one episode and then i never cast him again but he was there <laughs> he yeah he made his appearance yeah <laughs> is historic yeah because normally yeah. you would say her story but in this case historic there it is yeah there it is um i also saw you online you were like girl you are dancing in the street getting in some business for glad day bookshop at drag brunch people it's raining love. You're people out love. there on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> people love when a drag queen goes outside. They, it blows their minds. If I exit the building and I'm outside on the other side of the window, they freak the fuck out and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you remember like during the pandemic, whenever they had basically like, because of COVID, the patios were like, literally you had to sit oh, yes. in traffic to sit at a bar, right? And you're yes. like, and we like, or at least as me as an alcoholic, I'm like, sure, whatever. As long as I can get my booze, I'll fucking sit in the middle of traffic, right? If I die, I'm going out drinking. A hundred percent. And I remember yeah. there would be drag queens like climbing on top of like those concrete like post scaffolding the scaffolding like it was fun it was yeah (laughs) dangerous it was a a great time to be alive i miss lockdown days i really do (laughs) there was just like it like we were all united in like a really big slumber party is what it felt like i miss it it i i miss the fact that there's no pressure for me to try <laughs> yes and i also miss the fact like because like i have to leave the house again and i'm like ugh, because i'm a very introverted person i don't like to do very much i hear ya. you know so like this podcast is like my this is this is it for me like this i stay at home and watch movies and i make a podcast. <laughs> this is when you talk to people <laughs> this is when i talk to people this is it um very good so um, I always like to ask my guests, um, you know, why they pick a certain year or if there's any reason at all. But I always like to just get a little bit of insight. Um, is there any particular year like why you picked Sophia Loren for this uh, episode? Um, I think it's because I'd never seen the movie she won for. And right. I was curious to see uh, what a foreign language film in that era, uh, like what it had to deliver in order to get her that win. Have you ever seen um, Sophia Loren in Marriage Italian Style? No, I think I've only seen her in Grumpier Old Men. 
Okay, you're right. <laughs> her finest performance to date. <laughs> That's what we all know her from, right? That's right. Yes, no, no question, no question. Um, she was robbed that year at the Oscars. She really was. She really was. Um, well, if you, I, she, I, I, when we did that episode. Um, when she was nominated that year, we talked about, uh, I remember I gave the award to Sophia Loren for Marriage Italian Style because in this movie, she is a drag queen. <gasps> like, she's this larger than life, like Dolly Parton, giant hair. Like, you know, she's very, like, she's a huge oh, personality cool. and she's like, is having none of it from any of the men in her life. It's it's like it, it's it's truly one of the finest drag performances of. Oh my god! Non- I gotta watch it. Move over to Wang Fu. Yeah, Isn't exactly. It, is that an English language film? No, it is Italian. But she's not. Italian. She's not actually a drag queen. But like, she's no, a yeah. drag queen. Like, it's yeah. it's incredible. And I really think you. I really think you would enjoy this movie. I gotta watch it. Okay. Who won that year? Oh God, I am going to. I think it was wasn't Catherine. No, it was. Let me look. Um, I do so many episodes. I it's not forget. that important. It really, uh, <laughs> I, I could look it up. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It was, uh, I'm looking this up because this is going to wow. bother me. Was it okay. Barbara Streisand and Catherine Hepburn? It couldn't have been. Wait, Barbara Streisand won an Oscar? Yeah, she won for Funny Girl. She tied with Catherine Hepburn one year. Oh, my um, God. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Wait, no, this is actually going to drive me. Sorry, I'm a very uh, stubborn person oh uh it was julie was it julie andrews yes it was julie andrews poppins yeah oh great that was the year um and i we i i gave it to sophia loren anyway okay so let's jump into this year so um whenever we talk about these movies i always say to listeners uh this is in no particular order this is usually just the movie that uh, the order that i watched it in so the first movie that i want to talk about is Mm -hmm. natalie wood's performance in splendor in the grass so very Mm -hmm. quickly um Splendor in the Grass is the love of high school sweethearts, um, Deanie and Bud, is weighed down by the oppressive expectations of their parents and society in small town Kansas in 1928, threatening the future of their relationship. And Warren Beatty is the love interest. This is kind of like his big like screen debut, if you will. Um, and I just have to say that Natalie Wood performance um i am going to uh give her a round of applause for this performance because i'm pretty sure that she did exactly what was told of her by her director and what was in that script but girl i have no idea what the fuck was going on in this movie at one point because basically the whole thing right is it's like it's conservative Kansas and you can't have these, um, you know, urges, uh, cause if you have the urges, then you're not a, 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 you're not a nice girl. And if you're not a nice girl, then there's something wrong with you. So basically it's this whole thing about like sexual desire and like, how that is affected by gender and if you're a woman the way that that's perceived if you are sexual or if you're not sexual but then at one point they break up because i thought that he was going to take her virtue warren Beatty. but then that didn't happen even though she was actually like dtf but then they break up and then she goes mentally insane like she starts talking like she goes full schizophrenic I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea, like medically speaking, how any of this made any sense. I didn't get it. Um, But anyway, those are just my initial thoughts. So Selena, what did you think of this movie and what did you think about Natalie Wood's performance? So I didn't know I was walking in. I'd heard of Splendor in the Grass. I'd never watched it. 
Um, and in my head, I had the image of From Here to Eternity, where they're making love on the beach. Mm. I imagined that, but on the grass. I thought we were going to get a lot of meadows. <laughs> <laughs> right. Rolling around in the in the in the weeds, but they didn't. Um, there's no there's no grass in the entire film. Uh, they were by a waterfall <laughs> for some reason. Um, yes, right. <laughs> um, I did not know it was going to be a teen drama. I was mm. not prepared for that. I thought they were going to be adults. Um, so I was like, okay, work. Like I love Riverdale. Like let's watch this. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> and they okay. So I'm. I'm I'm a little blown away that she was nominated for this because she's also in West Side Story, which won everything that year. Right. And she wasn't nominated for that. Granted, in West Side Story, she was doing a really bad um, Puerto Rican accent and right. didn't do her own singing. Uh, so I could understand why they were like, okay, let's just like not give it to her for that, but let's put her in the other category. Um, so, okay, I, I did not mind her performance. Um, I think she has a very striking face. She's very watchable. She reminds me of um, watching this. She reminded me of Aubrey Plaza a little bit. She has that like thing in her face. Absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah. Where it's like, oh, what are you thinking? Oh, you look like you can like go, you can like snap at any moment. I love that about her. Um, <laughs> and she did. She just <laughs> uh, agreed she did. with agreed with you. It did not make any sense why she went nuts. Um, but I do appreciate that this film is kind of like a critique of that part of society mm. in that age. Like it's kind of like, yeah, you shouldn't have sex before a marriage, but if we stop you from it, this is what's going <laughs> to happen to you. So you may as well just go fuck. Well, um, I mean, <laughs> because Warren Beatty's sister, Ginny yes. was apparently a big oh my God. hoe. So she was a hoe and she also went nuts. I know, but she was like kind of the best part of the movie. <laughs> mm. Oh, she was incredible. She was the best because she kind of gave this like much needed relief to this ultra conservative town because it did become like a little bit repetitive. Um, but you know, the, they would describe her as not a nice girl. So it's like you have Natalie as the nice girl and then you yeah. have uh, Ginny as the not nice girl. But it's like as the audience, like, or especially in 2023, when you're watching this movie, it's like you're rooting for the not nice girl, right? That when they when they were taking the Christmas portrait and she just like leaning on the credenza smoking. Yes. I was like, girl serving. work. Yes. <laughs> she was serving her. up looks. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but I love it. Like, so, yeah, this movie is with Warren Beatty and Natalie Wood. I did like think it would be funny to call it because the way to describe this movie is Natalie is giving Warren Beatty Wood. Hey. Okay. Because okay. that's and then at one point he tells her to get on her knees, slave. He's like, get on your knees, slave. And then I was like, he, okay, we're didn't he say that, didn't he? And not only did he say that, I don't know if it's this in the same scene, but he physically puts his hands on her shoulders and pushes her down to his garage. Yeah. And she and said then she, she wanted to worship him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what okay, daddy. Um, what wow. What a great film. Um, Wasn't expecting that. That that was no. a whoa. <laughs> so what year was this made? I know. I'm like trying to imagine people sitting in the theater at, in that era watching that. And how, like, I know that when I watch a, a sex scene on a TV, in a movie or a TV show with my mom, she fast forwards it. So I can't imagine oh, okay. her sitting in a theater. She was a teenager when this came out. I can't imagine her sitting there like watching that. <laughs> like, turning the converter? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Yeah, um, so a couple facts about this movie. So uh, right before shooting was set to begin, Pat uh, Hingle suffered devastating injuries when he accidentally fell 54 feet down an elevator oh shaft in his God. apartment building. So he was Warren Beatty's dad, and he was like walking with like a limp. That was not a character choice. He was actually physically in recovery, and that was actually the best he could do. 
what the I know. fuck? I know. Because he also had a descent into madness. Like, he also went nuts in the movie. Yeah, I think he committed suicide, right? Yeah. He jumps out a window. Yeah. There was a lot of... Se- th- there was a lot of themes of rape and... Um, uh mental illness suicide so anybody listening to this episode just as a trigger warning there are very dark themes in this episode that we will be mentioning so just a heads up on that because that's a theme across a lot of the movies we watched i think almost all of them had some element of one of those two you know um yeah so another thing, so Jane Fonda wrote in her autobiography that she tested for the role of Deanie and when Ilya Kazan Asked her if she was ambitious. She said no, even though obviously it's Jane Fonda. She is like the most ambitious person ever because, quote, good girls aren't supposed to be ambitious. So (gasps) she was answering like the character. Um, And Jane Fonda believes that this is the reason that she did not get the role. Um, That's so Yeah, I mean, it's funny because Jane Fonda was in a lot of movies in the 1960s and nominated for Golden Globes for like best performance in a comedy, but she wasn't quite the star that she was like in the 70s kind of thing right okay yet so she was like around but she wasn't like jane fonda yet um and then one more little fact before we get back to natalie wood's performance so natalie wood's sister lana wood had an on again off again relationship with warren Beatty for several (gasps) years after he and natalie uh, would broke up and in December of 1981 a few days after Natalie's funeral which Warren Beatty did not attend Lana w- met with him to discuss a project she recalled that quote Natalie was not mentioned until I was about to leave and then I couldn't help it I wanted him to say something about her and to say how he would remember her Lana asked Beatty if he missed Natalie to which he replied no not really she's gone oh. and I, I know she's gone and I'm sorry but that's it the truth is is that I talk to you and I know you better um and then he quote uh he reached out to pull me to him and uh Warren simply could not let the opportunity get by this time I could though angered by his lack of sensitivity she and her last goodbye uh to Warren Beatty and then she ran out the door and never spoke to him ever again that is insane. I know. <laughs> what an unhinged response. I know. He's an I, he doesn't have a very positive reputation in the in this time in history in Hollywood. And a lot of the things that I read about any movie that he's in, when I'm reading stuff about him, it's always people having a hard time with him or his direct di- di- uh, choices as a director or people not like wanting to work with him because of his rudeness. Like a, a lot of negative things. I actually left out a lot of them because I mostly wanted to focus on Natalie Wood. But yeah, a lot of negative shit about Warren Beatty. Holy shit. That's blowing my mind. That's like you're a psychopath. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess when you're on top of the world, right? You're so, you're rich, you're handsome, you're famous. Yeah. It's, it's the 60s. It's like when when America was great. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? on your side. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Exactly. Um, but just... I just want, those were some things that I thought were kind of interesting that I wanted to mention, but I will get back into Natalie Wood here. So yeah. uh, Natalie Wood really didn't seem to have a lot to do in this movie other than to react to what other people were doing and saying. I feel like you didn't really see her demonstrate her acting abilities until Warren Beatty breaks up with her because, mm-hmm. which by the way, he broke up with her because he prevented his sister Ginny from being I don't know, gang raped or just raped, but there was some sort of a sexual assault that he prevented. And then when he saw that, that's why he broke up with Natalie Wood because the, I guess, vulgar act of sex 
was something that he would never want to do to Natalie Wood. And I'm like, do you think that sex is just rape? Like, what do you mean? Like, what? Like, I didn't understand why he broke up with her. And then she went insane, like, literally, and had to be, uh, she got to be checked into the funny farm for a couple of years. Yeah. Two years. Anyway, until the breakup happened and until she kind of... Um, becomes unstable mentally. I just kind of felt like there wasn't really a lot to the performance other than her reacting to what other people were doing. Now, was this film also set in the 20s? 1928 in Kansas, yes. It is set in 1928. Okay, I was confused about that because I I didn't know it was and then there was a hint at it and they were talking about the Depression. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was like, oh, this isn't the 60s. But it looked like the 60s. <laughs> yeah, it look, it, yeah, because they, they always do that where it's like if they do, it's almost like Stranger Things takes place in the 80s, but they still have like haircuts that would still be fashionable like today. Yeah. And you're like, it's the 80s. And you're like, okay. Because like, look, she's wearing <laughs> shoulder pads. It's the 80s. Like, you know. Um. So maybe it was like the 1928 look in 1960, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it could easily, yeah, you'd. You could easily assume that it was the 1960s. Yeah. She she met she did she meet somebody in the institution and she then marry him? Been, that yeah. happened? Okay. I couldn't tell. <laughs> I was like, wait, who's this guy? Wait, she's marrying someone? Is it that guy? Yeah. Yeah. And she becomes hysterical whenever she wants to express any kind of feelings of desire or or sexuality and and she would literally have a mental so okay I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is are they saying that because she's not a nice girl according to 1960s mm-hmm. or 1920 I know this movie was set in 1928 but I'm sure that this spoke to conservative people of the 1960s that sex is only for married people and women that want to have sex with multiple people. There's something wrong with them. And because she was so obsessed with wanting to have sex with him and then he broke up with her, she went crazy because she had these sexual desires for him and she was never able to express those feelings. Like, is that why she went crazy? And then like, is is that a message to send to young women in the 1960s? Like, ah, 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 like be a nice girl. Don't be, yeah, you, like I'm just trying to figure out like what the message is to, to women at this time because it either way it's yeah. just fucked up is basically I guess I kind of took it as like let the kids fuck or else they'll go fucking crazy. That's right. Yeah. And okay. So will you? And so will you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a probably that's a better message. Yeah, but I also see things and like I see what I want to see kind of thing. <laughs> I'm gonna go with yours. I like yours right. better. Thank you. Thank you. Also, shout out to Marla Adams who plays. Um, <laughs> You're like, you don't know. Uh, she plays Natalie Wood's friend uh, in this movie who like barely has any lines. And she like mostly pops up at the end and takes him to see, takes her to see Warren Beatty. Um, right. Uh, she is. So I only care about this woman because she's on the young and the restless. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my God, there's Marla Adams. She plays Dina Mergeron. Um, now uh, Phyllis Diller is in this film as well. I know she's the club performer for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird seeing her with her, like the big ridiculous clothes though, and that the wig and the yeah, like I did not recognize her other than her voice. Um, I another negative message, depending on how you interpret it, but this one, this is a, a one that I, I I I'm not okay with. When Natalie Wood has her breakdown at home, 
she has some weird choices and one of them be okay two of them one of them was the orgasmic voice in the bathtub with her mother i don't know what that was about that was like that was that was a lot and then she gave herself a little home haircut okay yeah now we got to talk about these home haircuts in movies because it lets audiences think that Mm. they're going to work out if you attempt them on your own and i'm also including gas station bathroom haircuts in movies too when they're like on the run and they always come out of that fucking gas station with like highlights layered hair there's like a curl in their hair somewhere even though there was no curling iron and they look amazing a joy with jennifer lord this is another example (laughs) do not cut your own fucking hair you will look (laughs) insane people it never works out you look like somebody should have hid the scissors do not do home haircuts yeah yeah sends the bad message bad message to people that's i agree that's all i'm saying my PSA, no home haircuts. Don't do that in movies. It sends out a, a, a negative, negative message. Her hair looked way too cute. I really thought she was going to give herself like, like I thought she was going to chop it all up, but she just like trimmed it and like, it looked really nice. <laughs> it looked amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, no, bitch. You would walk. look insane. That's just, no. Um, <laughs> she does attempt suicide at one point in this movie by, I think, going down a waterfall or jumping off a waterfall. There was something with water. And then they rescue her for that from that. And to me, I think that the best part of the performance was what her her inexplicable descent into madness. But then when in the end, when she goes to the house and um, she she sees the woman that looks exactly like her as his wife, clearly he has a type and uh, he has a son and that she has to just accept that that. That's just how it is and that they will always have their splendor in the grass and they had their time together and now that's over. And um, I actually kind of liked the ending. And I think that that's like a good message where it's like you have to just accept like, you know, he he's with somebody. He has a family. You have to be happy for him. You can't intrude on that and you have to just move on with your life. Yeah. I, I like also that. like that, like he ends up with this woman who's like now pregnant and already has a kid. And then she notices for the first time that like, he's not over this other girl. Right. And she's like, well, this is my life now. (laughs) This is it. Yeah. I I loved how complicated the ending was. And I love how complicated her feelings were. And I think that those scenes where I'm like, okay, I can understand why you received an Oscar nomination because the first hour of the film, it was really just about everybody else and her kind of just like, going along with whatever Warren Beatty wanted and reacting to whatever it was that he wanted. And I just didn't really think there was a lot there, but sort of near the end is when uh, she really shines. And I think that she um, does a lot of heavy lifting uh, with the subject matter, but also with like sort of the emotional complexities um, that the scene required. And I think that she nailed it. Yeah, I agree. Um, also, Ginny dies in a car accident. They didn't, they didn't need to oh, add no. that in, by the way. They were just like, what are we going to do with the whore? Let's kill her. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was just, oh, and by the way, Ginny dies. You're like, what? Credits. Like, it was so weird. That was just like, oh, by the way, your ex-boyfriend, his entire family fell apart. His father killed himself. His sister died in a car accident and his mom ran away. So. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Cut to credits. Now he lives on a ranch. Bye. <laughs> yeah. And the Oscar goes to, you're just like, what the fuck? It was... <laughs> It it was um, a little jarring, let's say. I did love her mom. Her mom was like full of life. And I didn't expect that. Like I thought she was going to have one of those like kind of moms. But then her mom was like, woo, woo, woo. (laughs) Yeah, she was a woo girl. She was a woo girl. She Um, was cool. She was cool. 
Okay, do you have anything else that you would like to add to Natalie Wood's performance before we move on? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Geraldine Page in Summer and Smoke. Okay. So very quickly, this is the IMDb plot. A plain repressed spinster falls for a dashing young medical student who prefers the wilder life until it's too late. Her name is Alma, Geraldine Page's character. And um, she is kind of like, she's literally the girl next door, but she's like the ultra conservative girl next door. She's very conservative. Her mother um, went... She, her her mother has some sort of a mental illness and as a result she's had to care for her mother her whole life which has kind of robbed her of her youth and then her uh, neighbor the the bad boy uh who's the the bad the renegade doctor if you will um he represents the opposite of her and it's kind of the whole you know opposites attract and uh it's a kind of tragic story and it just kind of you just feel bad for Geraldine Page kind of throughout like the entire movie um this movie takes place in the south she's supposed to sort of have like a I think like a Louisiana accent or just some sort of like a southern accent and Mm -hmm. girl I'm sorry but she is not doing it for me it was like it was like British at one point I was like I don't know what accent great acting horrible accent I don't know what yeah 100% agreed. What the fuck was she doing? What was she? I couldn't figure, I couldn't place it. I was like, are you from the South? Are you British? Is it like a weird Catherine Hepburn? Where is she from? Where's where's Geraldine Page from? Right. I I know that she doesn't have that accent. She has a very, you know, American in all of her other movies. She just has like a regular American accent. So I I don't know. Okay. Um, but how, so what did you, what did you think of this movie and, and what did you think of Geraldine Page? Oh, also shout out to, uh, Rita Moreno, who Rita Moreno. in this film as well. But what, what did you think of this movie and what did you think of Geraldine Page? Um, you know what? I had a lot of the same feelings from Splendor in the Grass. Like it was very, um, uh, he makes her go crazy kind of thing. Yes. Uh, which is a running theme throughout a lot of these, a lot of these films. Um, I could not stand her. <laughs> I did. I did somewhat enjoy watching the film. However, it was very frustrating because, uh, yeah, they just keep going around in circles and like, he just keeps not changing and like, she's right there and he keeps running away from her, which is so bizarre because I think he likes her. I'm not sure, but I don't like her. I think I didn't like looking at her. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> which sounds really awful. Um, she's a beautiful woman, but I have problems with her face and um, <laughs> and her voice. Like like you said, like she's just and she looks older than him. She like they're supposed to be the same age, but she did look quite old, which makes sense if like her mother robbed her youth. Um, That's true, but yeah. I I do know I do know what you're saying. The thing with Geraldine Page is it's like she's one of these actors for me where it's like she she it's like it's like i either love it or i hate it and if i'm being honest with you i kind of hated this one like but yeah. if you've seen her in the movie um like um interiors from uh 1978 okay. it was easily like one of the best performances i've ever seen on screen and i'm like oh my god and i think we had picked her that year to win the oscar i think it was the year that uh, diane keaton won for annie hall Anyhow. but i'm not gonna look that up but Right. Um, and then there was a trip to Bountiful with Geraldine Page, and this is the movie that she won her Oscar for. And I literally thought it was the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. So I don't oh. know if it's that I'm just maybe not a fan, or if it, I, I just I don't I don't really get it or something like that. But Geraldine Page, just for me, I, I don't. 
it's really hit or miss. And if I'm being honest with you, like this movie was a miss. I think she was miscast. I agree. I agree because she did. I think like she did not suit the role. I mean, she kind of did because she was like um, that like mousy spinster, uh, right. like buttoned up and, and hoity toity. But like, but, but I just didn't like watching her. I didn't enjoy watching her either. I also just felt that she was like, overly sensitive about things like her reactions to things were disproportionate. And I don't know if that was a character choice or like a a director's, you know, I I don't know, but just, there were a lot of character. uh, Okay. Just as a character, I didn't like the character. And when it's the lead performance, you're like, Oh, this bitch again. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. yeah. It's like, what does this guy even see in her? Like, why was he even attracted to her in the first place? I didn't get it. It was very like Lady in the Tramp kind of thing, but he was a doctor. This also, this movie felt very um, The Music Man to me. Like she's very like, like classic Marion the Librarian who like is kind of like the spinster of the town, but she's actually kind of cool, but this woman wasn't cool. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then he's like the bad boy uh, who like doctor. pursues her. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know, listen, I know a lot of, I know, I, I know a lot of doctors and uh, none of them are like that. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know one like renegade doctor. Well, he was kind of like begrudgingly a doctor, right? Like he was only doing it because his dad forced him into it kind of thing. Right. And also the death of the father, that was hilarious. I don't know how he died. I already forgot how it happened. So he, uh, he got shot. What, what's that? He got got shot. He got shot. Because she, uh, Alma, called him because they're like, oh, they're up to no good having a late night party. And then he comes home and he's like beating Rita Moreno's father with like a stick. Like, get out of my house. Get out of my house. And then he shoots yeah. him and said. Yeah. I want to talk about Rita Moreno. She's all I want to talk about ever. I love her. She is really, really good. And you almost kind of feel bad that she had to put on that accent like all the time. Yeah. Have you watched her documentary? I have. I loved it. Oh my God. It was brilliant. I love that woman so much. She was in West Side Story the same year and won. And she won. And she was the first like Latina to win an Oscar. Yeah. Um, also, she, have you seen 80 for Brady? No, I haven't. Apparently it's like really good. That's what I've heard, but I don't want to watch something that's about like that, like where Tom Brady's name is in the title. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that oh any movie about football really i'm like i'm good yeah and like, like but i love all those women yeah. i tried watching it and i couldn't get into it i mean yeah it's a football movie like yeah i'm good yeah um but okay love rita marino hey girl uh yeah. but the only <laughs> um time of this uh movie where geraldine page is is really selling it for me was when she professes her love for him at the end after years of resistance and finally seeing the ways, uh, things that, or seeing things the way that he sees things and um, and not living in like regret and just going for it. And um, she has this, this heartbreaking um, monologue of her just admitting her how she truly feels and she's ready to love him and then the fiance walks in and then she realizes that she's kind of made a little bit of a fool of herself and yeah. just that one scene for me 
uh, was enough for me to be like, okay, I get why this is nominated for an Oscar because that was absolutely heartbreaking. And, and I think that in that moment, that's where Geraldine Page really shone. Right. But then every other part of the movie, I just felt like she was miscast. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Even when like they were about to have sex, like when they were making out and then he like is about to go for it and she like freaks out and runs away. I was like, what about him made him want to go for it? Cause she's very sexless. Like she's. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's yeah. like, um, like a, because we've known each other since like childhood or whatever. And maybe it's like a nostalgia thing. Like at one point, um, doesn't he say like, I wouldn't go to the trouble of teasing you if I didn't like you, which is very toxic. Yeah. But I feel maybe he just always had those feelings for her. And because it's been so long, like, but I agree with you. It, she is so sexless and they didn't have any chemistry whatsoever. Yeah. Cause he has a boy's face and she hasn't, <laughs> I sound really misogynistic and awful, <laughs> but he does like look really young. like he looks like a boy playing a man. Sure. And she looks like a woman playing a girl. That is such a good way of putting it. You are so right. That is so true. Yeah. A woman playing girl. Because, um, so one of the facts actually about this movie was that while Geraldine Page received nearly universal acclaim for her performance, Lawrence Harvey, the doctor guy, was thought by some contemporary reviewers um, as having been miscast as John Buchanan Jr. So mm. I think that the whole theme of miscast is um, kind of uh, prevalent here. And yeah. I I think, yeah, I, it's rude to say, but honestly, yeah, that's, I would, if this movie had a fragrance, I would say it's called miscast. <laughs> <laughs> Buy it now at Shopper Drug Mart. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that was the moment that I liked. Um, I, I found her character to be kind of frustrating and annoying. I, I do feel as like she was miscast and I think that she has much, much better performances like in interiors, for example. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, which if y'all have never seen that movie, I recommend giving it a watch. Also a very dark movie. She goes a little insane. And I think there are also themes of suicide in that. So just trigger warning on that one, but just, um, yeah, that yeah, seems to be the theme this with these performances anyway. Okay. Yeah. I don't really have much else to say about this performance or this film. But is there anything else that you want to add? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, let's talk about anyone else. <laughs> literally anybody else. Hey, Best Actress listeners. Enjoying the show? Want to hear more? Access our entire catalog of Best Actress episodes from the very beginning, ad-free, by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bestactress. By subscribing, you will also gain access to new episodes one day earlier than their normal release day. Best Actress Podcast will always have 10 free episodes available, but with the release of a new episode, the oldest will go to Patreon, where you can access it anytime with your subscription. Come on, ladies, it's a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe. Okay, so this this one will be fun. Let's talk about Audrey Hepburn in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Okay. So uh, this is one of the most iconic films of all time. If you've never seen it, very quickly, plot. 
a young New York socialite becomes interested in a young man who has moved into her apartment building, but her past threatens to get in the way. Although, frankly, it really doesn't because all of these conflicts from her past keep coming in and then she kind of just keeps brushing them off being like, I'm never going to change. I am who I am. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of like the repetitive plot point over and over again. And then in the end, um, she, you know, ends up uh, with her man and then it's a lovely happy ending i do have to say though when she throws cat into the street oh. as a as a cat dad myself i was like canceled like i was like oh my god i i i, I honestly gasped i because i've seen the movie i forgot that happened i gasped <laughs> i was like you can't do that you to, and it's in the that. rain no Oh my I'm sorry. God. Oh, the poor baby. And then they go back and then they get it. And then the cat, if I was that cat, I'd rip her eyes out. <laughs> also, I am very confused as to how this cat was not nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Because <laughs> what a performance. I've never seen a cat on screen do the things that this cat did. There were, I think, nine of them. No. It was one of Yeah, I read I read some facts about because obviously cats are impossible. So yeah. yeah. They had to use like nine different cats. That's crazy because like the cat has a very distinct look, like a very distinct face. Oh, here it is. One one of the nine cats used in this film is called Orangey. He appears in the scene where Holly hears news about her brother Fred and throws a tantrum. Orangey was a top animal actor and even <sighs> won his second Patsy award, which is the animal equivalent of the Oscar. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's brilliant. Cause that's the cat that she grabs off, off her vanity and throws onto the, onto the blinds. Right. Oh my God. That's actually really funny that you just said that. And he did. Yeah. That's I called it. Look, like, oh my god! Well, I'm I'm telling you, this cat's going places. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> it was very heartbroken when she threw him into the rain. Oh, um, a couple other things about this movie, and then we'll get into Audrey Hepburn's uh, performance here. Yeah. So, um, elements of Holly's character in the original novel, such as the flirtation with bisexuality, were omitted in the deference to the times, and to oh. make part of a more suitable, uh, to make the part more suitable for Audrey Hepburn. But notably, however, she still accompanies a visible board Paul to a strip club. Yes. So it's kind of like a wink, wink. Um, uh, although it's never explained why Holly is wearing a bed sheet at her cocktail party in an earlier scene cut before release established she had been taking a bath and had to improvise a gown and spur the moment. The cut scene was featured in a Life magazine pictorial shortly after the film was released because I did clock the um, towel dress and I was like, what is that? And I thought, oh, well, she's just like super quirky. So maybe that's just a quirky thing. Yeah. Um Tiffany's opened its doors on a Sunday for the first time since the 19th century so that filming could take place inside the store. Okay. Very cool mm -hmm. for this movie. And last thing, at a post-production meeting following a screening of the film, a studio exec executive in reference to Moon River said, well, I think the first thing that we can do is get rid of that stupid song. And Audrey Hepburn stood up at the table and said, over my dead body, and the song stayed in the picture. Good for her. Yeah. Because it... They wrote the song in one octave for her, and people still say because you know, um, uh, uh, oh my god, what's his name? Blue eyes. There, um, I don't know his name. Frank. Oh, Frank Sinatra. Oh, 
Frank Sinatra, he obviously does this famous cover of Moon River, and like it's one of the most covered songs ever. But I still think that the best version is Audrey Hepburn. Mm. Just that one octave song of of the of the anyway. So I, I I've seen Breakfast at Tiffany's um, many times, um, and I always enjoy watching it. I mean, let's be honest, this performance is basically just Audrey Hepburn being adorable for two hours. And she's quirky and she's cute and she is stunning. She is like one of the most beautiful human beings like ever. And And I mean, her look is still iconic today. Like people still revere that look with the, with the black dress and the pearls and the sunglasses and the coiffed hair and the, and the cigarette. Oh yeah, absolutely. And she actually uh, wore the same uh, black dress throughout the movie, but she would just like accessorize it differently. Right. Um, because they were trying to demonstrate that, like, she's trying to have this image of success and wealth, but obviously, like, she mostly is just looking for a rich husband. It's, it's Marge with the with the Chanel suit that she just keeps altering. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons, That's and my classic. my favorite line ever was like, whenever that woman keeps throwing shade at her, being mm-hmm. like. I'll be there with bells on. She's like, bells. She's like, where are you going to attach that to that mangled Chanel suit? And then the woman's like, (laughs) oh, Marge, pay no attention to her. Her idea of wit is nothing more than an incisive observation, cleverly (laughs) phrased, delivered with impeccable timing. (laughs) (laughs) What a brilliant fucking show. Oh my God. I, I, I'm living for, for that episode. Um, so let's just ignore the super racist portrayal of Mickey Rooney as Mr. Yunioshi. I don't even understand what that added to the film. If Nothing. it was supposed to be like comedic or something, I, like what's the joke that he's Asian? I don't, I didn't understand it. But the fact that it was Mickey Rooney, I did not know that that was Mickey Rooney. And I'm just like, yikes. Wait, you just found that out now? Or you, you, when you learned that you were shocked like before? When I was watching, no, like I literally found that out because when I was watching the movie and then the credits came up and it said Mick, Mickey Rooney as Mr. Yunioshi. And I was yeah. like, what? Oh, okay. No, that's like famously like it's a talked about thing where it's like. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's really bad. The teeth they gave him, like it was all of it's really bad. Really, really bad. Um, after I watched this movie, though, I couldn't stop saying darling after like every sentence. Oh, like, Hello, yeah. darling. Oh, darling. <laughs> Um, I love her character. Um, I love, oh, I love that Paul is a sex worker. Yes. I didn't know that. Like I, cause I, the last time I watched this movie was many years ago. I did not realize he was one as well. I love that. Mm-hmm. that I love it. It's just like two sex workers, like falling in love. That's <laughs> basically, I, it's true. I, I didn't really think of it like that. Yeah. Um, I do think that. This uh, movie, I can see like why it's a classic and why it's it's. I, okay, I feel like is this an Oscar performance because of the performance, or is this an Oscar performance because it's so iconic and it was so iconic even for the time? Yeah, you I know, don't know. Like, I don't know what the impact was at the time. Do you like? Did you look that up? Because I don't really know what it was. Like, not really, but it, it's just people. It, like this is it's it's a classic, you know. It's one of like the greatest movies like of all time, right? But yeah. it's just sort of like, um, is it just because no one could have played this other than Audrey Hepburn? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, 
I think that the only real emotion that you really see from her is whenever her ex-husband tries to take who Lulu May, which is her real name, uh, back home. And then she begs him not to lie to her brother, Fred, because he's that's like the most important thing is her brother, Fred, who's like out at, in at the military. Yeah. And he's at war. And um, uh, the, her her real husband is like, I, I'm going to tell Fred that like you don't want to speak to him anymore. And, and just again, like another act of sort of desperation. And, and that's really the only real emotion that you see from her because she's kind of like deceiving everybody all the time of like yeah. who she is and what she's about. But I love that. Like um, they always say that it's more interesting to watch an actor try not to cry than to actually cry. Right. Um, and so for me, it was really interesting to watch her to like try to keep all these lies together, try and hold it all together, try and like put on this air and put on this life and act like nothing bothers her. Did you find that, like, maybe because I'm, like, ADD or something, sure. but did you find the dialogue to be very dense and they talk so fast? Like, I only caught, like, half of the things that they were saying some of the yes. times. Yes. Okay, I, right? I watched it with captions on, not by choice. They were just on. Um, and I had an observation about that. Like, something came across the screen and I was like, huh? And I don't remember what it is. But <laughs> maybe if I ever watch it again, I'll come back on the pod and let you know. Um, but yeah, no, they did. They had that very like snappy dialogue. Uh, I like. I it. think I'm. I, I mean, like, okay, I think this is going to elicit the gay gas. But like, could you just get away with a movie having like zero plot back in the day and just get by on like extreme charm and quirkiness? Because I, it's not that I don't like Breakfast at Tiffany's. I do enjoy this movie, but if you were to honestly be like, what's it about? And I had to explain it to you without like looking at anything. I don't really know if I could give you an answer. Like, right. it, it's about a girl and she is like very quirky and she's like lying about her past and she's running away from her problems. Is that enough for a movie? I feel like it is very of the time. Like it is very 60s. Like maybe not like Oscar worthy films. But sure. like, but like, even like Sweet Charity is a little bit like that. It really is just like a quirky sex worker as well. Um, <laughs> Hooker uh, with a heart of gold. <laughs> right. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I think that's how the movie was described. Um, yeah. No, for me, it, it made complete sense. Okay. And I was down for it. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I, uh, yeah. This is, it's not my favorite. I like this movie, but it's not my favorite. Okay. I also I just love Audrey Hepburn. I didn't realize until this watch how like it's a little bit Carrie Bradshaw. Like it's a little bit Sex in the City. Right. With like a the brownstone bit. and the like trying to work her way into rich society. Yeah. Um yeah. Oh. I was really feeling like, oh, this is definitely like, like she definitely inspires Carrie for sure. Well, you know, for me, it's like I get the Oscar nomination because of the character and the and the role. I, I think yeah. what I think my feelings are just more towards the movie in sure. general. I mean, was kind of what other separate you? What other nominations did the movie have? It had five All nominations total. Yeah. yeah, and it won two of them for music. Okay, do you want to know what's interesting for me? Uh, when I found out that the Children's Hour came out that same year, and Audrey Hepburn is in that movie as well. Mm -hmm. uh, because I don't, do you know the children's hour? I do. I've seen the, I've, it's so funny. I, I've only seen the ending. I have never oh. seen like the whole movie. I've only seen like the last like 20 minutes of it, but yes. Interesting. Yeah. yeah it's so like, I know it, the big twist. <laughs> I do believe that it is about, cause I only saw, I haven't seen the film, but my theater school did a production of it. 
and it's about uh, uh, like a an all girls school, and there's a scandal where somebody acute one of the little girls accuses two of the teachers of being lesbians and being mm-hmm. in love. And then it's like, and are they or aren't they? And like, what does it all mean with like, do you take the children's word and blah, blah, blah. And then I think it turns out to be true. Um, but like, it's a heavy film. And it's like, I would imagine, I haven't seen the film, but I imagine the performances are incredible in that movie. <laughs> and Audrey Hepburn is in it. So it's interesting that she would get nominated for Breakfast at Tiffany's for me and not um, the children's hour. Isn't it interesting? I mean, it's it's so weird the way that they nominate things and they don't nominate things. I'm, I'm But um all right, but wasn't she nominated for the Children's Hour? She was not. No, somebody was. Oh, it must have been uh, Shirley MacLaine. It wasn't. It was somebody else. Uh, for Best Supporting Actor, it was Faye Bainter. Oh, what? Yeah. Why did I think that she was nominated for Lead Actress? That's insane. Yeah. Um, it's also, this, this is a year where everyone was in like multiple like big films. Like well, Audrey Hepburn was in Children's Hour and Breakfast Club, and then... Breakfast Club, <laughs> back with the Tiffany's. And then Natalie Wood had West Side Story and Splendor in the Grass. And Rita Moreno had Summer and Smoke and West Side Story. There was a lot going on for these ladies. There was a lot going on. I mean, I, listen, like this character and this performance, I mean, there's moments that I really enjoy. Sometimes I feel like the movie drags a little bit for me. But yeah. um, the performance of Moon River is iconic. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. And, um... I don't think anybody could have done this better than Audrey Hepburn. And um, a lot of people said that she should have won this Oscar. I oh, no. I love the performance. I love her. I, not one of my favorite movies, but I will just say, like, I get it. Um, but I, I, I'm separating the movie from the performance. Right. Um, but just for time's sake, though, I, I do think that we should move on. Let's but do it. Is there anything else that you want to add before we move on? No. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Okay. Uh, This one I also feel might be kind of like a short and sweet one before we get to our winner. Um, So let's talk about Piper Laurie in The Hustler. Now, I know Piper Laurie from Carrie. Oh, (laughs) oh, no. It's always got to be Carrie and her mom. And they're all going to love you. They're all going to love you. Oh, my God. And I just iconic. And she was also nominated for Best Supporting Actress for that as well. Um, so the hustler is really a Paul Newman vehicle and, um, oh, he is such a babe. Uh, this movie is an up and coming pool player plays a longtime champion in a single high stakes match. So it's a sports film. Uh And I assumed that Piper Laurie was going to be, um, the Talia Shire of like Rocky, for example, where it's like, she's only going to be in the movie for like 20 minutes. And, uh, she was in the movie longer than Talia Shire in Rocky, but uh, you don't see Piper Laurie until 40 minutes into the movie having a smoke and a coffee in a diner of a bus station. Mm-hmm. Very glamorous. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, okay, here she is. Impress me. And I got to say, she did. She is a very complicated person. She is an alcoholic. She has mental health issues. I believe she commits suicide in this movie. Yeah. Um, she is extremely resistant to Paul Newman. Um, and she, be, because she has troubles, and then he also has uh, troubles, so they kind of start this beautifully toxic relationship, a.k.a. every relationship of my 20s. Uh, <laughs> so I was very into this pairing. I was very into to 
this journey and, and her talking about this because like, you know, for me, like, especially during the pandemic, like I really struggled with drugs and alcohol and I developed like a bit of a Coke problem. And, um, I went through this whole journey afterwards, like quit and get over that. And so when I see characters, especially during this time that are flawed, imperfect, almost anti-heroes, I just find it very refreshing, especially for, um, a, a female lead actress, you know? And so and, and in the 1960s and stuff like that, and yeah. it's like, she, her role is not about being a mother or a hooker or a hooker who's now a mother because the yeah. roles for women were always so limited and and just seeing her as just a a human being that just exists in the world as a woman who but she is a very flawed person i thought it was so refreshing and i thought that piper laurie did such an awesome job in this movie so uh what did you think of the movie and what did you think of Piper Laurie's performance? Uh, agreed about the performance. Like it's very complicated. Um, she was really fantastic in the role. It was really nice to see a, like a, uh, a character who is so flawed and uh, sad. And I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, everything that you said, I agree with. Um, I also don't, I, I feel like it was more of a supporting role. Than mm. it was a lead actress role, uh, but I'm okay with her being here. It's fine. Um, and I, and I hated the film. I hated watching this movie. I hate. I did not want to watch a scene that she wasn't in. Yeah, there was a lot of repetitive pool playing scenes. Yeah, Although I have to say. Do you remember when they broke his thumbs? Okay, I yeah, they were gonna. Oh my god, I thought they had. I thought I it thought was, that... and then, because the the way it was shot, what we saw yeah. looked like that's what happened. And then I was like, "Wait, what?" I googled it. I, I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" Because everybody thought that Paul Newman. Okay, so let's talk about this for a second. So, sure. um, okay, Paul Newman and Jackie Gleason established yes. a friendship on the set. At one point, Newman got a little cocky about his newfound pool skills and challenged the much more experienced Gleason to a fifty dollars bet on a game. Uh, Newman broke, and then it was Gleason's turn. He knocked all 15 balls in, and Newman never got another shot. Oh Gleason God. recalled that the next day, Newman paid him off with 5,000 pennies. Uh, oh, Piper Laurie didn't make another film for another 15 years, devoting the time to her marriage and raising her only daughter. She returned to the screen in 1976, Carrie earning her her second Oscar nomination. Wow. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, when it was necessary to show some of the trickier shots, 14-time world billiards champion Willie Moscone, who was also the film's technical advisor, would play the stunt hands. George C. Scott refused the nomination for Best Supporting Actor because he didn't believe in the ceremony and thought it only existed for economic reasons, which uh -huh. kind of. Uh, <laughs> and he also refused because he won Best Actor in like 1969 or 19. 70 or something like that and he also refused the uh trophy as well wow. and the nomination uh joanne woodward uh, who is paul newman's wife later said that although she was ashamed to admit it when her husband failed to receive the best actor award she was quote furious and upset and in tears um, <laughs> oh my god yeah because he a lot of people always said that he should have won this Oscar. He actually ended up winning um, for the sequel of this movie, like in 1986, like with Tom Cruise. So he did eventually win a Best Actor Actor Oscar for this role. But not until 86? Yeah. And he had a bunch of honorary awards, but he never <gasps> actually won anything. Oh, wow. So this, 
anyway, because we were talking about the the what we assumed was like the rape scene, but then it was like the thumb breaking scene. The point that I was making with those facts was just that everyone thought that he was going to win this Oscar. And um, when I'm watching it, you're like, yeah, like Paul Newman is like absolutely slaying in this movie. And yeah, I, I realize that's a different podcast, but there's an argument to be made that he probably should have won this Oscar. They said that they cut out like one scene um, and, and that would have been his Oscar moment. But the director said that it didn't push the story forward. So it just ended up on the cutting room floor. And I guess Paul Newman like never forgave him for that or something because he knew that he would win this Oscar, but P- Piper Laurie. Okay. Um, yeah. Piper Laurie. So uh, I, what I love so much about her and her relationship with uh, Paul Newman in this film is that it's very realistic because she doesn't really like sugarcoat anything. Yeah. And she always kind of stands by him until she's like, I need to like, there is a limit to this and I'm leaving and you should um, come with me. And uh Maybe you can offer insight into this because you're right. I did check out of this movie a lot because there were some long, boring scenes yeah. and you just wanted Piper to come back. But why did she commit suicide? Well, there was there was, was she, there was was a man who was harassing her, right? Like there was a man who was like, you got to sleep with me or else I'll tell him that you sleep with people. <laughs> like, isn't that what it is? Oh God! I mean, near the end, because I I had to stop and start this movie. Honestly, probably. Oh my God, me too. Yeah, like five or six times. Like it's, but the performance is incredible. Don't get me wrong. It's just that like it's a sports movie from the nineteen sixties, and I couldn't watch it in one go either. You know, but we're both very gay. This is not our movie. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It wasn't made for us. It was not (laughs) for us. So it's like you, you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt. But it's just like. Um, I, I, there were some points that maybe I, I missed out on just cause I, I wasn't terribly into some of the near some of the scenes and I kind of missed. So when she did die, I, I was a little bit like, wait, what happened? But overall, um, an amazing performance by Piper Laurie. And I fully yeah. understand why she was nominated, especially compared to some of these other performances where they were more like reactionary performances where she actually like is her own character and she's yeah. struggling with her own thing, but it's not necessarily the focus. She sure, just sorry. exists as a complicated person. Yeah. But yeah, no, that man kept coming up to her and being like, you gotta like, Oh, I'm going to tell him, Oh, you gotta, Oh, you, you gotta do this thing for me. Otherwise your life's going to end. And then when I think she finally ended up sleeping with him and yeah. then she just couldn't live with herself, I think is what and happened. That, oh. And and then she went into the bathroom and killed herself. I think that's what oh. happened. Oh, I think that's what happened. Okay. Poor Piper Laurie. I know. But also it was like one, one eye on one eye off. Like I couldn't, yeah. that wasn't very, <laughs> very I totally, I totally, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Cause you're like, Oh, is she back? Is she back on screen? Okay. Okay. You kind of mm-hmm. perk up a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause she, she leaves for, for long periods of time. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, do you have anything else that you'd like to add before we talk about our winner? Uh, only that I love Piper Laurie in uh, Twin Peaks. She was amazing as Catherine Martell. I've never seen and- Twin Peaks. Oh, you haven't? Okay, Never. but here, here's a fun little tie-in with Breakfast at Tiffany's. There is a moment in the show where her character supposedly dies. And then hmm. she comes back to check up on everybody, disguised as a Japanese businessman. What? And fools everyone. <laughs> you got to watch Twin Peaks. It is a wild ride. Oh, wow. Was it Mickey Rooney? <laughs> <laughs> it was fur. It was Piper Lloyd. It was great. That's insane. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I... Yeah, I love 
love, love, love this woman. Wasn't she nominated? Because I know that she was nominated for Carrie and obviously for for this, but then she was also nominated for, let me just look this up here. Yeah, I'm going to look it up she was nominated for the third. Op- oh, Children of a Lesser God. That's right. Yes, with Marley Matlin. I loved her in that. Oh, movie. she was nominated for that. Holy shit. Yeah, that's, an, that's a fantastic film if you've never seen it before. And Marley Matlin won for that, right? She did. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of between her and um, Sigourney Weaver for Aliens. And my guest that week picked Sigourney and I picked Marley Matlin. It's a, it's a, it's a very, very, I would recommend seeing it if you've never seen I it. I did not know Sigourney was nominated for Aliens, the sequel. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. It was, it was a big moment because it was the first action uh, role for a woman to ever be nominated Holy for shit. an Oscar. Yeah. Go it was a big Gordy. deal. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's one of the best. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about Sophia Loren in Two Women. So very quickly, uh, two women in uh, in the Italy of World War II, a widow and her lonely daughter seek for distance between them and the horrors of war. And if you have never seen a Sophia Loren m- movie before holy shit this bitch has so much presence she is such a star she it's like when she's on screen it's like you don't look at anybody else Mm -hmm. it's like she almost has similar features to audrey hepburn but they're like these super like exotic sort of like voluptuous like she's just stunning Mm -hmm. and you'd think that that would distract because she's so glamorous and she's so gorgeous and you'd think i think you're a little too um like glam for the role Mm -hmm. to her to to a compliment to her performance she blended in with the italian country peasants so well that you aren't looking at her being like oh that's sophia loren like she just she had such wonderful chemistry with all of her co-stars because i mean when you're standing next to sophia loren it's like you're standing next to a goddess do you know what i mean so it's like how the fact that she just blends in so well i think is a really strong credit to her performance and i'm just going to give a couple of Facts before we talk about the performance and we talk about the movie. So uh, Sophia Loren's Best Actress Academy Award was the first Oscar ever given for a performance in a foreign language film. Hell yeah. Sophia, Lo- Sophia Loren first learned of her Oscar win from erstwhile co-star, uh, co-star Cary Grant, who called her in Italy from Los Angeles with the news. Greer Garson accepted the statuette on her behalf. Uh, it has been said that Anna Mignani originally was cast in the role of Cecira, but when she was unable to commit to the film due to illness, it was Mignani herself who suggested Sophia Loren for the role, saying to director Vittorio Di Sica that if Loren, who was 25 years old at the time, would not mind playing a mother with an adolescent daughter, the role should go to her. And another credit to she the performance. She was 25? Exactly. Another credit to the performance that I didn't even notice that. Like that did not yeah. distract at all. Um, and one last thing, according to George Cukor, biographer Emmanuel Levy, after Cukor had directed both Anthony Quinn and Anna Mignani to Oscar nominations in Wild is the Wind in 1957, agent Swifty Lazar made a deal with Paramount um, uh, to do a version of, quote, two women the following spring with Mignani as the mother and Sophia Loren as the daughter. Although Mignani respected both Loren and Cukor, she objected to Loren's casting. She believed that the actress was too tall and strong looking for her and feared that the script might favor the younger actress. 
uh, which mm. I think is true. And Cucor would not give into Magnani's demands and the production did not go forward. And then eventually, obviously it went to Sophia Loren and she won a fucking Oscar. So, so Magnani was probably right on that one. Yeah. Um, okay. So I've said all my piece. Um, what did you think of this movie and what did you think of Sophia Loren's performance? Oh, I was on board for all of it. I thought the movie was beautifully done. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful perspective to for a, for a war movie because I hate war movies, but it was such a beautiful perspective to see this woman who like owned a grocery shop. It opens with bombs outside her door and she's like, gotta get the fuck out of here. The moment she has with Guillermo was like fascinating to watch. Like what type of woman is she? Is she the type of woman who's like DTF or is she the type of woman who's like just out to protect her daughter? Or is she the type of woman who's like an honorable like businesswoman? Like what, like who is she? Um, and we got a lot in that like first scene with Guillermo or second scene in the movie, I guess. Um, and then watching her travel with her daughter, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if like something, I didn't know she was going to make it to the village. I thought horrible things were going to happen to her along the way. And like, granted she was shot out from a plane. However, um, she did make it pretty early on to the village and then just watching her like blend in with everybody and like how, how like nat- she's so natural. She has such a, incredible presence on stage but she's also on stage on film but she's also such a natural actress like everything she said i believed oh she, no oh my god i she... love sophia Loren. yeah <laughs> um men first of all yikes to all the men in all of these movies because wow women were like were men just like super physically aggressive back in the day because like there was a lot of like fighting off men like yeah like into the like being chased into the bathroom and then they would still be like oh ho ho i'm just i'll be right back and then they were like no like i want to fight like it was and women were like fighting off these men in these movies but the difference between sophia loren and um everybody else in this movie like audrey hepburn whenever she sleeps in um uh what was his name paul's bed uh-huh. uh the first night there it's because she was running away from a guy that was trying to basically like a sexually assault her, yeah, yeah. where Sophia Loren in this movie, she is so fiery and she lashes back and she's having none of it or she is having it and she's into it. And there's really no in between. Yeah. And I fucking love that about her so much. She's also like a survivor who does not complain about the cards that she's dealt. Yeah. She's just like, this is how it is. And this is how we're going to navigate it. And this is what we're going to do. And there's just nothing that will stop her. Correct. I I remember I sent you a message because I, I I you know I'd never seen this movie before, and I I didn't understand why the movie was called Two Women. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember messaging you and being like, okay, it gets very dark. Yeah. Just a heads up on that one. So again, trigger warning to anybody listening. There is a scene where, and I was not expecting this at all. They're in a church. And her daughter and she are gang raped by these soldiers in a church. And then the reason why the movie is called Two Women is because her daughter loses her innocence. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was, I was not, I did not expect that to happen. I was kind of shocked. That's why I messaged you. I was like, just a heads up. It gets very dark. Yeah. Um, and 
the movie was the performance was was fine and I enjoyed her. But then after that moment and the way that she dealt with that and the trauma of it and the way that her relationship has changed with her daughter and the, and that she has to accept that those were some of the most heartbreaking scenes in, in all of these movies that yeah. we watched. Yeah. I'm actually and surprised, I just, that you, I'm surprised that you were shocked because for me, I felt like it was inevitable. Um, especially considering in the first scene with Guillermo, I thought that was going to be a rape scene. Mm-hmm. But then it turned out that she was like down for it. And then mm-hmm. all throughout, like on the train, I thought something was going to happen. And then in the village, I thought something was going to happen. And then like, they're all alone now, finally, the two of them, and they're like traveling together all alone. And like, I just felt like it, it was like, they'd it'd been leading up to that. I think my only criticism of this film, and I guess this is really just more of a personal choice, and also maybe, uh, again, I also have to remember this was made in a, it was a foreign film made at a very different time in history, and, yeah. and movies are so different now than they were, but for a war film, I just wish there was a little bit more action. That would really? be really my only Yeah, like I think her being shot at a few times and having like conflicts with soldiers. I, that just really wasn't enough for me for like an action film. Um, but I will say uh, Sophia Loren really is the movie, you know, and yeah. she, like, I can't take my eyes off of her throughout the whole movie. So like my only criticism is I just wish there was a little bit more action. For See, a I disagree with you on that because I feel like it's not an action film, right? Like it's a film about these two women and how they dealt with what, what, what was happening around them. Um, mm. and I actually appreciated that there wasn't that much violence in the film because it, like, I feel like we see so many like war films and they're about like the war and they're about like, we see all the shooting and like all the crazy shit that happens, but it's nice to see a different perspective of like a, a person who goes to a village to find safety mm, and, no. and they live in that safety for a little bit. At least I was actually surprised that like when she was shot at, it was just like they tried once and then they moved on. Like if they were trying to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Like, ah, got him next time. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I would say though, because I've seen, I've you really do see that her 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 range, because uh, I've I've seen the movie Marriage Italian style, which is more of a comedy, mm-hmm. and then I'm seeing her in this, which was obviously much more of a drama, and so it's just. I just, I really like Sophia Loren and I really love watching her perform. And I, I just, yeah, I'm such a fan. And it, uh, this is why I love this podcast so much is because you watch a lot of movies and I'll be honest with you, I would say like 70% of them, you're like, I will never ever watch this again. And yeah. it does not interest me. But then, you know, you find films and you find performances and you find actor actresses that maybe you weren't aware of. And then you find these amazing films. And for me uh, doing this podcast, it's like Sophia Loren has kind of been that gem that I, I never really knew mm-hmm. that much about. And I've just really enjoyed getting to know her. I just really enjoyed watching movies period. Cause I don't do that often anymore. Mm-hmm. And so doing this podcast, I was like, Oh, it's so nice to just sit at home and watch a movie. Hey, I'm so it, glad to it's hear. so nice. Um, it's interesting that there was another huge Italian movie this year, La Dolce Vita. Right. Um, which was nominated for a bunch of stuff, but neither of these films, even though that one was such a huge impactful film. And then this one earned her an Oscar. 
neither was nominated for Best Picture or even Best Foreign Language Film. I noticed that too. I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. Like, how do you give one foreign film four Oscar nominations, but none of them are for Best Picture? It's so strange. And you know what? Actually, I think I'm just like looking at IMDb here. She was, she won every single award that she was nominated for. No. For this film. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I mean, if those, okay, we're not going to talk about that yet. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Well, do you have anything else that you want to add to her performance? Because we can we can pick who we think that the Oscar should have gone to. No. Let's go to that part. Okay. So, Selena Vile, you are my guest of honor. So, please go ahead and reveal who you think that the Oscar should have gone to first. I believe the Oscar should have gone to. <laughs> Sophia Loren. No contest. Okay. As I was about to say, like, um, I'm not surprised she won every award she was up for because considering the other performances nominated in this category, she blew them all out of the water. Mm-hmm. This role was absolutely unbelievable and her performance was unbelievable. I love that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I think that the Oscar should have gone to... Sophia Loren. Oh my God. Yeah. I was nervous. (laughs) No, you know, it's funny. I, if I would have given it to um, anybody else, I feel like it would have been Audrey Hepburn only because only because we are still talking about breakfast at Tiffany's like today. Yeah. I don't really think anybody's talking about Sophia Loren and listen, I don't really like breakfast at Tiffany's that much, but Audrey Hepburn is you cannot take your eyes off of her in that movie. She is so adorable. She's so quirky. And I can't stop saying darling after like every statement. And so the fact that, that there has to be something to be said about something that is so memorable and so iconic that would be worthy of an Oscar. Um, but for me, if we're just, you know, looking at the five here and we're talking about like who should win based on the performance and on merit and blah, blah, blah. It's really Sophia Loren. Like it's really no question. Mm-hmm. Like she is doing a lot of heavy lifting here. She, her character and her relationship with her daughter uh, is um, the, the relationship with her daughter is really the heart of the story. And it's, it's about how uh, the, the things that happen to them and how that affects them and how that changes their relationship and, and with each other, but also with the world. And it's just, just so realistic and like you're saying it's like there's not one second where you don't think that she is this character that she's portraying it just it and she, again I know I've already said this but she is such a bombshell and the fact that she blends with the like peasants it really mm-hmm. speaks to the performance and her ability to have chemistry with her um fellow actors and it's just uh, one of the great performances of all time. And I just, yeah, totally get it. And I, I love, love, love Sophia Loren. And I, I really enjoyed watching her in this movie. Hell yeah. I love it. Okay, Selena Vile, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast again. Where can people find you on social media? Ooh, they can find me online at Selena Vile on Instagram, on Twitter, and probably other places if you Google it. Um, Selena Vile is spelled like Selena Quintanilla or Selena Gomez if you're new. And then Vile is V-Y-L-E. Okay? Yay, <laughs> thank I love you so that. much for having me. This thank is so, so much, much fun. I had podcast. so much fun the last time. I keep thinking about it. It was very happy to do it again. 
Okay, I love that so much. Okay, well, I will see you at Drag Brunch then on Sunday. Fuck yeah, you will. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Did you enjoy the show? Want to hear more episodes? Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to access our entire catalog of episodes ad-free with your subscription. Subscribers also get access to new episodes one day earlier than everyone else. Oh my god. Go to patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe, and I will see you all at Howard's Inn.